Hello, everyone. This is the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series ALDS Game 2 Instant Reaction. Uh, I think it's safe to say it'll be a little bit different uh, tone than last night's ALDS Game 1 Reaction, uh, which, Danny, I think you, Darby, and Bree did a great job on. Um, But let's break it down. We've got Danny Russell. Danny, what's up? Tired, Brett. Yeah, yeah, that was a long one. Uh, and we've also got Ashley McLennan, who's back. Hey, I'm back. I think it's been since last season that I did one of these. So I, I believe it was. Well, you, you've been, you've been rocking it on uh, on the on the movie podcast. The yeah, no, so Brett, Brett's no stranger to me from, from Who's on Worst, that's for sure. So. I think we can make a bad baseball movie about tonight's game. Oh, uh, crushing. Rhett. I think we could suggest a few rewrites. Yeah, Red Sox 14, Rays 6, uh, 20 hits for the Red Sox, 8 for the Rays. Where do you guys want to start? Do we want to start? Should we talk no. about what went well for the Rays? Because that won't take us long. Well, okay. I think or we can we talk wanna... about this now. There was what could have been another great hallmark Rays postseason moment in the bottom of the first inning of this one. Yeah. It was a rough start for Shane Boz. You could tell the command wasn't there. It was a four-pitch walk in the first batter. It looked pretty evident that he was a little nervy out there. But yeah. no need to worry. Jordan Luplo, grand yep. slam, towering grand slam off of Chris Sale uh, to give the Rays a 5-2 to two lead. That was epic. No matter what else happened the rest of this game, that was an epic slam from Jordan Luplo. Swing yeah, low. Swing loop low. There you go. Sweet chariot. <laughs> uh, it was a glorious grand slam. It was completely unexpected. It was the reason why he was acquired at the trade deadline was to have this level of contribution against Chris Sale. The problem is that the Red Sox pulled Chris Sale after one inning. If yeah. Chris Sale persists in this game, the Rays continue to do really well. Uh, but Kevin Cash broke all of baseball, and now no manager is afraid to pull their starter if they're not doing well. I, I, it's all Kevin Cash's fault. It all comes back <laughs> to this and, is a joke. That I am kidding, dear listener. Uh, I don't know if the sarcasm is dripping or not. People are already commenting. Don't worry. But if we were doing a drinking game, the the Snell pull did get brought up at least once in that broadcast. Hey, that works on the bingo card. Yeah, because of course it did, because, you know, no no manager ever has pulled a, a pitcher no. too soon. No, so um, Andrea and Lizzie uh, have that bingo card on the site. So if you're interested in playing along, <laughs> it's definitely I, on there. I, I think tonight's game was a great game for bingo because I, I do I, I, I was at the game yesterday, so I didn't watch the TV broadcast. But I thought the first half of today's game, I thought John Smoltz did a fine job. But as the game went on and became more lopsided. They ran out of things to talk about. So then John Smoltz could no, resort no, back Brett, to I need being to tell you this. John Smoltz. I, and, and I know that you had muted the, the game for the bottom of the ninth as you were preparing for the podcast. Ashley and I were listening. John Smoltz was looking for area codes on yeah. the scoreboard. He was looking at the scoreboard and going, oh, 
202. What area code is that? Yeah. And then for the first, first time in my whole life, I got to hear Manitoba, my home province, uh, get a shout out on a major league broadcast because our area code is a 204. Um, so John Smoltz <laughs> now knows our area code strictly for uh, that reason, because he was bored out of his mind in the latter part of that game. Uh, got sick of talking about his own experiences pitching for the Red Sox and uh, decided to just start making a game out of the score. I, I think I'm going to steal that game. I do some broadcasting for a junior college baseball team, and there are many games that look and play out like this one did tonight uh, with scores that are like this. Uh, so I'm going to take that game, put it in my back pocket, and use it once spring rolls around. Enjoy. I, I won't. Sure enough for Joe Davis is good enough for Brett where, Rutherford. Where credit is <laughs> um, well, right. Okay, so good for Luplo. <laughs> appreciate yeah. it the grand slam was great uh not gonna put it on the site because the rays lost let's talk about shane boz because uh I- i'm curious to know whether or not what you saw from shane boz impacts whether or not you're excited that he's part of the playoff rotation and if this game five comes around now right now the race could win both games in Fenway Park, three and four. There is no game five. But if there is a game five right now, theoretically, we see Shane Boz take the mound again as the starter. Ooh, if Kevin Cash makes no uh, changes. Ashley, you're not excited about don't it. Don't know that I like that. I mean, the the control, the command, none of it was really there tonight. And like, if he had an awareness of what the weak spots of those batters were, it sure didn't show in where he was putting those pitches. So, um, I mean, I I think like Brett said, a lot of it was probably nerves. I mean, you haven't been in the regular rotation that long and now you're being thrown into the ALDS, huge deal, teams up one game. And I'm sure nerves played a big part in what, we saw tonight, but I don't know that that's going to be any less if it's a game five winner take all kind of scenario. So, well, what we saw was definitely not the shame boss we saw during the regular season. No, uh, if it which was we didn't nerves, see that much of, we didn't see that much of. We saw three starts, uh, but the first batter he walked on four pitches, which the moment it hit a three ball count, I was like, whoa, this is weird. Because Shane Boz is someone who attacks the strike zone and does not have three ball counts. That was his reputation coming into this game. Beyond that, the fastball was not the same. It didn't have the same life to it. If you think, you know, Shane and Shane, compare those. uh, One's a lefty, one's a righty. Forgive me for that. But the Rays are known for these lively fastballs that really rise up hitters. I wasn't seeing that same kind of life out of Shane Boz either. I have not looked up. The pitch effects, maybe I'm stupid and that is not true. But my impression by the eye test was that because we're doing this live and I was too depressed during the game to check to see if Boz's stats were posted, they'll probably be up tomorrow. Um, it, it, it just wasn't the same stuff. No, you're right. And it didn't he, look the, the yeah. same as the regular season. So. To, to dial the fastball in, he had to start throwing it down the middle. And when you throw 99, that's okay. But it's bad. <laughs> he he only had three runs allowed and he got seven outs. And you know what? That's not insurmountable. The problem is that the Red Sox had 14 runs and Waka allowed six at the end of the game. And the vibes were very bad. So the alternative to Shane Boz is probably Michael Waka and 
or Luis Patino at this point. Well, it's pretty clear when Ryan Yarbrough got left off the roster that Michael Waka then became the punter. I think we all had these dreams of him being this high leverage guy and maybe in the right situation, Cash would use him that way. Um, but, you know, once he's in that, that game late, late and the deficit becomes too big, you just kind of leave him out there. But it got to the point where he couldn't even finish the ninth inning. The Red Sox were hitting everything. And I don't know, who knows, maybe hitting is contagious. Maybe they were just on one tonight. Um, but, but Michael Walker's spot on this roster just like, had no well, confidence. Brett, as you can attest to in the games that you see in junior college, this was amateur hour in terms of race pitching, <laughs> unfortunately. And also, the Red Sox were getting every single bloop and batted ball up the line yeah. or it the foul ball it lands foul after the third base bag instead of before it or it bounces once and then it skips out about it was everything that could go wrong in terms of the red sox making contact into weird parts of the field it happened it it was just a strange strange night and well talk about advantage was- yeah. Almost that good moment of fan interference for like with the initial eye test, I was positive that guy had grabbed it from like <laughs> below the line. And I'm like, no, you couldn't have possibly picked a worse time for this. Um, no, no, no. Then- Credit the draft dude. Number one, uh, I, if I were in his position, probably would have tried to catch it too, because you don't know if that sucker is about to hit you in the down belows. And, <laughs> and, and that's a no fly zone. All right. You brought a glove to the game. Use yeah, yeah. the glove. All right. Yeah. The man knows how to use protection, so credit to him. <laughs> On the replay, On the it replay, appears it that yeah. it looked that way because he was leaning forward, but he caught it like two feet above yeah. the fence line, right? It was that very glove was obviously... up where his chest was, and yeah. then it was just the one of the worst frame jobs you've ever seen in your life yes. because the glove dropped significantly after he had it in the mitt. So uh, credit to that dude who probably had a panic attack waiting for uh, the well, the umpires to read I, it. I said on Twitter afterwards, I'm like, that poor sucker's phone is going to be blowing up all night because every person he has ever met in his life is like, what did you do? <laughs> Speaking of fan interference, we couldn't get a little bit more fan interference when Alex Verdugo is running in over the left field, the short wall and left field. Uh, sure. There's that guy in the Navy Wander Franco jersey. You couldn't you could yeah. do a little bit more or i mean come down. on home field advantage you couldn't you know punch for dugo in the face like i i would <laughs> i would never say that you should do that i don't want to be be a trump here and be like yeah punch that guy in the face i'm just saying hypothetically it's within the realm of possibility that if a red sox player approaches you at tropicana field you could consider it I it's mean, within Danny, the realm of possibility. Not to besmirch your, you know, current home state, but that sounds more like a thing that would happen in Boston. <laughs> oh, um. for sure. That, well, that's, <laughs> it's, it's tit for tat. It's no mercy. If 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 uh, Randy Rosarena well, he is did. approaching uh, earlier in the season, like the, in April, this happened. Oh yeah, trying to go into the stands. It's it's a mess, and the whole game was a mess. And I think by the end, the, the crowd was louder for Boston than it was for the, the Rays, which was a tragedy that we only usually see during the season. So that was a bit of a bummer, to be totally honest. It was a loud, <laughs> it was a loud, a loud bummer. It was yeah. not not nice yeah. that it, 
the crowd was like it, it shifted so perfectly too because like in the first inning it was just a roar and everybody was so stoked and I'm like yeah Rays fans represent and then like by the end of the game it was just as loud and I'm like oh you traitorous mothers what is this <laughs> well shout out to uh JT Chargois who did not allow an earned run tonight good for you buddy he got the final out of the game for the Rays. neither did David Robertson Oh, true, but he Rob. made me worried. <laughs> yeah. David That's the Robertson. second night in the row where there was one <laughs> struck ball where I was like, oh, dear. Well, there, there was... David Robertson will be Daniel Robertson in my mind for the rest of eternity. <laughs> I just can't. I can't not. And I'm only happy that I if, if I can get through another recap where I don't have to recap a game with Fire Eisen because I cannot spell his name. Um my life will be complete. <laughs> it is a struggle. I'm F E Y E R. Is there another R? Because it's no, fire. Ryzen is how I say R-E-I-S-E-N. it. There's only one R. I S E N. This is what the people come to listen for. It's the spelling <laughs> bee. Um, one of the things I'm frustrated by with this game, too, is I'm worried about. I love talking about playoff narrative. If you listen to the, uh, the reactions last year or if you even listened yesterday, I think postseason narrative is a wonderful part of the sport. These narratives build game after game in the same way that Brandon Lau has never seen a breaking ball that he knew how to hit in his life during the postseason last year. That narrative persists. And even those of us that deny them as hard as we can, we we still feel them throughout the postseason. What kills me is like two two games before the postseason started. Lau had a three home run game against the Yankees. So we know he's perfectly capable of hitting balls. Uh, it just seems like the second we get into like past the third day of October, he just falls apart. The dude's hitting like a hundred. I'm pretty sure he's hitting a hundred in the postseason. Yeah. You could, and you, it's second game of the postseason. You can already see how frustrated he is. I've seen that man throw his helmet down more times in like the past 18 innings of baseball than like and poor Brandon Lau, for whatever reason fs1 is not giving us a lot of replays so there was that one at bat where uh oh he God. took he took the called strike and it was very clearly a ball it was it never was over blo- the plate it was a backdoor it, breaking ball horrendous call but they they rung him up called called looking and he goes back and normally this is where valley sports would give a replay would show you the slowdown version too of the pitch like spinning and and you spend all that time instead the camera followed brandon lau to the dugout as he tried to slam his bat into the the cubby it pops out of the cubby vertically up and then lands horizontally on top of it so he goes back over and picks it up and slams it down again and it does it again and I was just like, oh, man, like when I when I coach like the fifth graders in Little League, I would I would yell at them for this. Yeah, well, and it's also like you see his receding hairline when he takes the helmet off. Oh, yeah, it's a yeah. bad look for Brandon Lau in that moment. It's not um, his best angle. No, the guy hitting ahead of him in the lineup, though, Wander Franco, he's got four hits in the postseason. And even while the Rays bats, I mean, they scored six runs tonight. Uh, but even while the Rays bats struggled for most of this game. Uh, Wander Franco again, uh, and maybe that last at bat, he was a little frustrated, but looking just, he belongs in the postseason at the top of a, of a lineup for a team competing for a championship. You know what? And we can mention too? him every night. And, but he also left three on base, you know, tonight. So it's weird to say like he had a good night. Eh. Uh, 
And the Rays stranded 10 runners tonight. And that's normal. I mean, the Red Sox stranded 20 runners. So, hey, look, they did twice as bad, right? <laughs> um, but the Red Sox just had a weird night. Kike Hernandez getting five hits. Get I've, out of here. The, them having all- a franchise history, franchise history, five home runs in a playoff game. They couldn't have done that in a previous year. Like, I'm the Boston radio is going to spin this all up. Tanner Houck is going to be a postseason hero in the same way Nathan Eovaldi is. And I mean, if the Red Sox want to give Houck uh, $17 million a year, I'm for it. Why don't we just go ahead and sign that check and, and take those uh, assets off the register? But my gosh, he was great. Uh, I think I saw on Twitter that he had like stood up and sat down 30 hitters in a row. Did somebody um, was, I think the broadcast said that like over the past three games, he's had a perfect game. Yeah, it, and then because because yeah. it made it like into the 30s of yeah. hitters in a row, not not just 27. So that dude is clearly on one right now and hot at the right time. But the list of Red Sox pitchers who had gone five innings or more in relief are like him, Eovaldi, and Pedro Martinez in 1999, and the Eovaldi obviously during that World Series run that got him his big paycheck that I'm making jokes about. Um, <laughs> how are we feeling about facing Nate Eovaldi on Sunday? Well, b- b- before we get to that real quick, right now I'm looking at who's speaking to the media, who's up on the dais. Colin McHugh is up there, which I think is great that he is choosing to go and do that. He did not have his best game, had three earned runs, two home runs. Did your guys' thoughts change on Colin McHugh after this outing? No. I, yeah. At this point, the relievers are all just different dudes with beards to me. So um. It has been weird. <laughs> Uh, generic white dude with the beard. No, uh, like- Colin McHugh's great. We know that he's been one of the most effective relievers in the race bullpen. We know that he was one of the most effective relievers down the stretch when the race bullpen seemed to be falling apart, but he was also getting cute with like breaking balls, like throughout at bats and not it. I really didn't like the way he was mixing his pitches at all. It didn't feel like he was pitching his normal self. So I, I don't that- that was kind of the case for everybody tonight. When you think I didn't see a lot of what I've seen all season long with most of the relief tonight, it was just something weird. I don't know. Like you're saying it's everything going right for the Red Sox. It was like everything going wrong for the Rays in their bullpen. Like it, and it wasn't like specific, you know, terrible defensive mess ups in the field. And it wasn't like, you know, disasters, but it was just like small things just not working and it just made it across the board. It was pretty ugly. One, one of the criticisms I saw in a different game was when uh, Lance Lynn was facing the Astros and it was almost this question of why, why are you having Lynn do this? Why is he pitching to contact against the Astros? The Astros are going to blow up his spot. And I, I saw that dialogue and I heard that and I started thinking about like what strengths do the Red Sox have that the Rays should not be pitching to. And then I thought, well, the Red Sox suck. We don't need to worry about it. <laughs> and then I stopped thinking about it and that's on me. It's all my fault. But uh, the broadcast sort of went here. Uh, Daniel uh, did a great job of uh, writing the game diary. Uh, Daniel's one of our newest writers, uh, he, he he put together a lot of great gifts and a lot of great reactions to the highs and lows of this game. But he also raised the question of why do you go to Whistler when McHugh was throwing like the exact same junk 
that Whistler was going to have to offer. Big I... pause. Big <sighs> deep breath in. You don't have an answer for it either. That's okay. I did not like the move to Whistler. I'm not. I didn't I, think that they stayed with him as long as. And, and if I'm being honest, maybe I'm being harsh, but I've never been the biggest Whistler fan. He seems like Chazro light to me, and he's effective in spots. I did not think tonight was that spot. And I thought there was a time where this game was still very much winnable. You've got to bank wins while you can, especially in the postseason. You're not afforded that many losses. And we still haven't seen, and I'm not saying we're wrong to have not seen them at this point, Pete Fairbanks nor Andrew Kittredge. Wasn't Fairbanks in yesterday? He warmed. No, he, he did he, not he enter. Warmed, thank you. Him. I did the recap. I should know this. I watched that <laughs> whole game. Um, but you're right. I just remembered him warming. All right. Let's talk about game three. Uh, Nate Evaldi will be towing the rubber for Boston. I don't think it's been confirmed yet by Kevin Cash, but we had heard that Drew Rasmussen was most likely going to start in game three. Um. I don't know. My confidence is pretty low right now for that game. Maybe that's just because we're coming off a huge loss, but I watched Nate Evaldi in the wild card game. I've seen what he can do in postseasons past, including like win a World Series. I Going into Fenway Park, that crowd is going to be so galvanized after tonight's game. Yeah, I, my confidence level is about as low as it can get. I don't love it. I know I went in when I did the, the SB Nation preview for the AL um postseason i definitely said rays would have it in, in four mm-hmm. um so this is the one that i gave the red Sox. but uh no you're right for all those reasons because nate looked so good in that wild card game and like just decimated the yankees and i don't know uh, i think it all depends on the bullpen moves that that cash makes and and kind of what happens because rasmussen's not going to be a long-term starter <laughs> in a game even if he does start and mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't. I don't love it. The crowd will definitely work against them. The thing is, I feel really confident about Game Four, not knowing what's going to happen in Game Three. I think because that Game Four for both teams is going to kind of be a mod podge bullpen game before you can get your games five starters ready to go unless you want to go with like McClanahan on short rest but I'm very confident about game four but I'm a lot less confident if they're down to one in game four I do not want that to be an elimination game at Fenway Park and to get there I mean yeah you're gonna have to see Pete Fairbanks Andrew Kittredge they're going to get you know Kittredge will probably throw two innings um, if he can at least or one time through the order at least um, at Fenway Park but you have an off day so everybody's available all the all the relievers are available yeah. Luis Patino will probably appear at some point uh, but with all that being said like Ivaldi is one of those starters and maybe one of two or three in this series that can go six plus uh, and do it really well so I mean the the thing that they have to do if they want to to get through it is they have to strike early and they have to get the runs first thing because we know the Rays are fantastic when they score first and then they score early. And if they can't do that, then it's going to be a pretty rough outing. Well, and if you can force Cora's hand, because Cora, like Danny said, has been very aggressive. And I said that after the wild card game and the way he managed the bullpen tonight, I thought he did really well. Tanner Houck made those decisions a lot easier. Because yeah. He was, he was great. Uh, but if you get those runs early, you force core to make that decision do i ride with Avaldi, where maybe he does give up a couple more runs if it's not his night or does he go to his pen early and usually on most nights like we say if the rays are in a bullpen battle i like their chances as long as yeah. they're still in the game it didn't didn't work out tonight um but you roll the dice again game three those, those early runs are going to be important 
game three uh, lineup, I mean, we, these first two were built to face a left-handed pitcher, neither of whom, neither Erod nor Sale stayed in the game very long. Um, it forced Cash to make some decisions with, with subs. Is anybody like, I mean, obviously Luplo is not going to start on Sunday. No. And that I, Troy yeah, automatically. I Meadows is back, uh, particularly in front of the Green Monster. I don't think there's any concern about Meadows being out there. And then you drop Margot to bring Meadows in? I think so. I mean, you're not dropping Randy, so. <laughs> and you're not nope. Not, not a chance. Or do you bench Nelson Cruz and let Manuel Margot man right that big, expansive right field? No, okay. no. And the same reason why you acquired Loop Lowe. Right. right. You acquired Nelson Cruz for these moments. I, the, you you got to roll with what you got. Um, I It's within the realm of possibility that the Rays pitching locks back in and shuts out the Red Sox. That happened 24 hours ago that we were talking about a shutout. So I'm. And part of you has got to feel like if there's like some kind of like, you know, optimistic outlook for this is that they've just used up all their runs. They have none left. They scored them all in this game and they simply will not score another for the remainder of this series. And I feel like that's a possibility. <laughs> that's my, that's my favorite thing to say when I have no hope. Okay. Uh, the other thing that we saw a lot on the broadcast is like last night we were getting a ton of the Rays uh, eating popcorn, which is great. Yeah. But Raphael Devers instead chooses to snack on, uh, chewing gum and su- sunflower and seeds. It's sunflower seeds. Yeah, I I was talking about this on Twitter because I, I thought it was chewing tobacco, and I thought it was the most disgusting thing because they keep giving like really tight close ups of his face while his like you know cheek is wadded full of like this brown looking stuff, and I'm like, oh, could we not? Because that's not something I need to see close up. And I said that on Twitter and somebody who's a Red Sox fan quickly replied and informed me that apparently it is a combination of chewing gum and um, sunflower seeds. Is that supposed uh, to simulate chewing tobacco? Like, I don't know. I've never. I, I feel like that's BS. Or if there's are sunflower <laughs> seeds in there, I don't know if I believe said Red Sox fan, because uh, there are people in my life, not me personally, who have done chewing tobacco with bubble gum because it makes it more palatable like on your stomach and stuff it's obviously nasty but anyone i know that has done it before took what takes one look at devers and is like yep that's exactly what's going on to uh, me it's and- like it looked like chewing tobacco it it just is gross yeah um but that the popcorn apparently is from aussie is what i heard today in uh in um shane's um of the first Shane McClanahan's. Um, can I can I add a little bit of can I uh, add add some concern to the popcorn thing? Why? I've had the Tropicana Field popcorn many a time. There is one of the stations in the back of the press box. That is the saltiest popcorn you have it ever is. had in your life. We cannot have the players getting dehydrated in the middle of a game. It is actually. I've had it. I had it at the uh, like. There's the VIP lounge upstairs. It is very salty. But I'm all for dugout snacks, and the Rays are kind of famous for that. You got like David Jesus, Jose Lobaton eating ice cream in the dugout. So like, yeah, if they, that becomes the thing, I'm okay. They're loving that popcorn though. Like, Melvin Cruz was Blake just Snell, hungry. Blake Snell had the victory cupcakes last year. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, I do remember that. I don't remember that. So if that, and I, I just think a game five, which I'll get to in a second, because I think we are headed to a game five. 
uh, the Trop, they better get their popcorn poppers going on full blast because I hope that becomes a thing where the, all the fans get popcorn. There might be a lot of popcorn thrown then, though. That's a, I used to work at a movie theater. That's not fun. Um, but it is cool to have like a, a little thing for the postseason. I do have to start wondering if there's some sort of added concern about like the grease from the popcorn becoming like an <laughs> Wander's going to sky throw. To, no, it's like pitching. Like, yeah. are they going to have to keep an eye on the pitchers and the popcorn? Are there, like, the oh, umpire's literal gonna butter check fingers. <laughs> the umpire's going to check. This is a foreign substance. This is Orville Redenbacher's right here. Oh. <sighs> well, oh, let's, let's bring it to that. Let's, la- let's land this crazy plane this flight that's had a lot of turbulence uh you guys think this series comes back to saint pete next week yeah we need to try to beat the beat the attendance record I, and so they did 37,000 tonight so 10,000 extra than last night. 10,000 there was an extra 10,000 fans tonight versus game one which is great it was not a sellout yet because when you pull those tarps off it's like 42,000 oh, so wow. It uh, the drop yeah. can get quite low. I don't know exactly what it is anymore because uh, the uh, left field concourse has been minimized when they added all the Louisiana hot sauce uh, party. The leather, the left the, field ledge and, now, and the Bally Sports uh, recording area, and that's all right there. So there are fewer seats over there, and they also removed other seats to make the 365 walkway. So, uh, or 365, 360, the 360 degree. You can go an extra five degrees on that walkway. I know. Really, I'm thinking about 365 brand. That's Uh that. It's not even 365 days a year. I'm thinking about uh, the the version of Oreo cookies that Whole Foods has. Uh, They have uh, an Oreo cookie that is chocolate. The plane is not landing. Chocolate, taking off frosting, again. and then vanilla is the other one. So the, it's a mix match. Uh, I don't know if Oreo's done that or not, but it is fantastic. It's a, it's a half and half uh, Oreo situation uh, from 365 brand, not an ad. Uh, Brett, uh, to answer your question, um, sure, I would love to see them come back to the drop to win it all at home. <laughs> Win it all to win the ALDS. Win the ALDS, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. You're the one talking about cookies. So (laughs) you're creating your shopping list in your head as we're doing this and dreaming about vanilla and chocolate cookies, which does sound delightful. Um, But yeah. Final thoughts on game two? It sucked. Let's never talk about it again. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's preferable. I hate that we have Saturday to just think about this. You know, I'm going to have to just watch what Penn State and Iowa is, is three and four. So or, uh, watch some college football. Try to get my mind Giants. off of this. Mm, I got to watch Squid Game. <laughs> I have not watched Squid Game. I don't think I have mental space in my brain for Squid Game. During I'm going to start it tonight. I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch it tonight. Watch a little tomorrow. We'll be fine. I, I do. I do like that. Um, uh, so the game feed tonight g-man Choi did have a batted ball 108 miles an hour the only thing that was hit harder than that was the rafael devers 425 foot home run uh which might put him in the lead from uh, deciding where all those uh home run donations go at the end of the playoffs so that was interesting to see uh the top pitch velocity tonight was from shane boz at 99.2 miles per hour so those are, those are my final thoughts. Those are we saw a lot of hard throwing from Shane Boz 
as a starter, which I appreciated. Also, Michael Walker was flirted with like 97. So that was kind of nice to see. And I wonder if in a shorter role, if Walker would have been more effective as well. Uh, yeah. So thank you to Danny and Ashley for, for hopping on. And as always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com where there's still great Rays postseason coverage. There still will be tomorrow. The sun will come up. Actually, I think it's supposed to rain in Tallahassee tomorrow, so maybe not. Um, <laughs> once again, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you on Sunday after ALDS Game 3. Nelson Cruz's single was 53 miles an hour off the bat.